This bonus episode features a live performance and short interview with spoken word artist Latasha Struther. Latasha threads her relationship with God throughout her life and work and creates poignant imagery about her life experiences. The poem performed in this episode is titled Love Is Not Blind and was performed live at our Art as Healing podcast in Charlottesville, Virginia. You can join Latasha alongside several other Makers and Mystics featured poets, including Joel McCarrow, Ashley Blake, and Tanasha LaRay at our upcoming The Breath in the Clay online event, Come and See. Come and See is a series of workshops, performances, and interactive discussions on themes of perception and how the way we see impacts the art we make and the lives we live. You can register for this event at thebc2020.com or see the show notes of this episode for links and further information. Thank you for listening. This is Love Is Not Blind with spoken word artist Latasha Strother. contacted me I want to say a couple weeks ago and she asked me would I be a part of this and the piece that she wanted me to offer is titled love is not blind and I didn't share this with her but I was actually disappointed that she selected that piece out of all the pieces that I've written and um, the reason behind that is that I felt that the last couple times that I shared it that the piece was missing something that it was lacking something and that lacking for me felt like the presence of God and I wasn't quite sure why that was so but because I felt that his presence wasn't there I was deliberately choosing to shelve it but when receiving this request meant that I had to pull it off the shelf, right? And to take a a clearer look at this piece and what it was missing, a piece that once brought not just joy, but also, for me, encouraged me in in the things of God. And so um, this piece has to deal with these two characters, really four characters, but I think that it highlights two, and that is love and hope. And so during my time of chatting with the Father, I like to call God my father. So during my time of chatting with the father, he showed me what it was lacking and what it was lacking is hope. So this piece, I believe I already said, if not, has to deal with four characters, but two of those characters is love and hope. And I didn't realize it, but I was in a place where my my hope had dissipated, like it had drifted away. I think that maybe that's the word that I'm looking for. And so uh, he said, that's what the piece is missing. It's missing like your personal hope because my work is no good if it does not minister to me first. And so, so with that, I had to once again add my hope back. And so if I could dive just a little bit more into that is that, and I believe that maybe you can relate to this. It's when you consider your life, there's like an image there is an outline, there's a framework of what the Father has spoken to you and then you've placed it in its proper timing that this will happen when I'm 25 and this will come to pass when I'm 30. But then as well as that, there um, are things that you just simply hope and expect for that is found within the will of God. And uh, I found myself at a place where my timeline, like things weren't matching up with my timeline. And so in a sense, I had released 
my hope and also felt like I was wandering in a sense because like I don't know when this will manifest and so the father was um, encouraging me that yes you are unable to put your hope in a date, a time frame, but you are still able to put your hope in my glory. You're still able to put your hope in my goodness. And um, by hoping in me and knowing that I have a plan for you, that I am your author, then I think you get where I'm going with all of this. All right, so yes, this is love is not blind. Love is not blind. So why are you when you have been called to embody her physique. Love has eyes, ears, mouth, hands, and feet. She used to look like you and me, but now she has weights on her feet. Super glued hands balled up into fists, mouth zipped, deaf ears, and sealed eyelids. She, she no longer breastfeeds. Milk dried up. She has lost someone, stole her baby community. She, she sits on the porch in her wooden rocking chair as silent as silence can be. Strangers walk by and barely recognize she is crying inside. She wants to be set free and have her baby community to feed. But, but the ones who stole her and shamed her must return her. So she sits hoping they will hear her silent plea. Years go by and love continues to silently cry and the streets begin to die because community is no longer alive. Community no longer alive and love now paralyzed. Hope comes along to see what is wrong for he spotted the signs of destruction. While, while walking down the street before hope can greet, he runs into destruction. Destruction looks him in the eyes, but begins to tell him lies, hoping that hope will trust him. Hope grabs his chest, he takes a deep breath, he knows something is wrong with his beloved. D destruction tries to take a stand, but is overran by hope's plans as he runs to his beloved. He, he unties the weights off her feet, moves past her hands, kisses her lips to open. With her own words, she commands sight to her eyes and her ears to open. As he looks her in the eyes, he suddenly realizes he was not there to uphold her. She, she takes a deep breath, but, but, but before she can speak, he opens his mouth with apologies. I have, I have left you, my beloved, to, to defend yourself, the, the, the audacity of me. I, I went on a trip in, in a little rocket ship to see what the world had for me. I found diamonds, pearls, and fame. People knew my name. I drove fancy cars and, and drunk at the bars. I even, I even visited the stars. All was so 
well until I heard a tale that destruction came down our street. I had to come see for myself, and boy, did I see. My dear, where is our child community? Tears roll from love's eyes. A hope starts to cry, knowing he was not there to protect them. I, I became caught up in myself. I wanted to please myself. I, I, I neglected community. Love, I did not realize that, that, that you would not thrive, that we would, that we would not remain alive if I, if I went out to dine. I did not, I did not realize that, that you are my chamber and I your armor. Love so, so pure, unable to, to mumble a cursing squeak. With, with, with free hands, she mates with hope, resurrecting community. Destruction now cries for his hope to stay alive was dependent upon mutilation of community. Hope nurtures love, love nurtures community. The trees are green, the, the air smells clean because hope took accountability of community. Love is not blind. So why are you, when you have been called to embody her physique? Love has eyes, ears, mouth, hands, and feet. She, she used to look like you and me, but now she has weights on her feet. Super glued hands balled up into fists mouth zip, deaf ears, and sealed eyelids. It's hard to transition into some questions <laughs> after such an emotional moment, it, but it's beautiful. My spirit, my mind just wants to sit in that and, and to consider the images that you gave to us to consider. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that poetry, and, and in particular your poetry, can do. It creates images that allows us to consider truths in a new light and in a new way. I am curious to know, when did you first realize that spoken poetry was going to be your creative outlet? Hmm. That is a good question. <laughs> um, so I'm going to answer this question in my way. <laughs> I still think I'm going to get to it, but in my way. I grew up and the teachers classified me as having a learning disability. And so words and writing was always difficult. And, and almost moments where it was as if words had like left the paragraph and so I, I was reading one thing but it was really something else so so I really grew up with the relation my relationship with with words and um, communicating conveying my thoughts it was a very strenuous battle it was something that in, in some ways I avoided and I think that sometimes you can avoid things just by making a choice to simply be silent and I remember at around the age of 10 having the opportunity to hear a young man 
in church speak. And while he was speaking, God was speaking to me. And I heard God say, you can do that. And I knew it wasn't necessarily being behind a, a podium or, or standing on like a stage, but it was the fact of being able to convey my word, to convey my message, to convey the gospel. And so um, I chose to tuck that away. And at moments I chose to ignore as act as if I never heard that. But then as time passes, we all know that the, that the father is loyal over his work. And so just through continuously ministering unto me and just truly growing me, I came to a place where I realized that there's something here. I think sometimes our greatest weakness is designed to be our greatest strength. And so I then had to make the choice to uproot the false thinking and the fear so that I could then arrive in a place to flow in what I was, you know, designed, created from the beginning to flow in. So I'm curious to know then, it sounds like your art and your poetry comes out of a very long journey with the Father. I'm curious to know when you create, how does your faith influence the art that you're making? Do you find that your creation of your poetry, does that come out of a sense of communion with God? Does that come from a sense of your faith or the way that you have relationship with the Father? I'm curious to know how your faith influences the art that you're making. So there was this moment where I played around with words and realize, oh, there's something there. But the fact that I wasn't like trained in that particular area inspired me not to claim ownership of that gift. It was almost as if, because I don't understand how it works, how can I claim it as my own, as my gift? And so um, really, I would only write when I felt like God was um, pressing a, a thought, a message. Um, because I because I back then just knew I don't own this so I'll wait until he presses a thought in my mind and heart and then I'll just write and I'll give him all the glory doesn't that sound like so unrighteous Um, (laughs) but anyway so that was the beginning of it just waiting until there was a moment where um, the Spirit of God would highlight something and then I would write from there but as I continued to write and then took time to consider my writing process, I realized that everything that I create ends up being the byproduct of my tripod. And so I like to go by the the name, I like to go by the name Tripod Manifesto because I think it does an excellent job of expressing and explaining my work. So I believe that spirit, soul, and body, that 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 is my makeup and that the spirit, soul, and body work together to form my manifesto. Another word for manifesto is policy. So I live by a policy that has been formed by my tripod. And so if there's something in the policy that I do not like, I need to take a look at my tripod. Um, And so really all of, uh, if you consider everything that I have written, it all stems from the spirit, the soul, and the body, and those things being entwined and working together to create this one image. I have one more question for you. And when you introduced your poem, uh, you mentioned that you weren't excited necessarily that Lauren had chosen this poem for you to do tonight. Mm -hmm. And then just now when you were talking, you talked about how your poetry really comes from a place of what the Father presses into you. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to know is what is the Father pressing into you currently? Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I think that yesterday night when we all were um, having our circle moment, I spoke about listening. And that is what the Father has been pressing. That is what the Father has been speaking about. And so for me, it is very, as we all know as believers, that we live not by sight, but we live, you know, by faith. And so it's, um, we have these senses, so like this ability to hear and this ability to see. And often when I attach my sight to my relationship with, with the Father and His Word, His will, His Spirit, much of what I see doesn't quite line up. It doesn't quite fit. And so I think what the Father is, is slightly doing is He's asking me to close my eyes and to see with my ears, which requires me to listen um, with my ears. And as I stated yesterday night, I'm only in this moment. And what He is speaking to me is in this moment. So as much as I want to hear or see something from the, for the future, I'm only in this moment. So um, I believe that's my response. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, Latasha, thank you so much for sharing your poetry and your heart. And let's, let's give a round of applause for it. Thank you for listening to this Makers and Mystics bonus episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave us a kind review on iTunes. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast and help enable us to continue advocating for conversations on art, faith, and culture, please visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics or see the show notes of this episode. Music in this episode is provided by Glass C. We hope you'll join us again and that you'll plan to participate with us at the upcoming The Breath in the Clay event online. Until next time, keep creating. The world needs your art.